Your move, creep. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. The only thing I know how to do. It's a good-looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's right, Lord. Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Retrograde Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about older movies. We talk about how they were made, how they were received, and whether or not they hold up. I am Austin. And I'm George. Are your levels off? Yeah, my levels are off. Fuck, one weekend that I'm not doing this. All right. <clears throat> All right, it's, a, it's okay now. So, we just, t- we just came back from our little winter break. We're pumped. We're excited for the movies in 2022. We've already got a few ideas down, but I'm very excited to open up the year with this film. You actually recommended this movie. Yes, I recommend. I there was. I feel like in our um, our last episode where we were talking about all these movies, we kept on bringing up action. Like even if the movie had other elements to it, like we would always talk about the action in it. And I'm like, what? We can't judge every movie based off of how good the action is, but you can judge an action movie. So I wanted to think of of an action movie uh, that might be relevant now. I was on Instagram and I saw that they are remaking the Raid Redemption for Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and and at first I was like, why? <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> which is like what every every like fan of of something that gets remade they're like why <laughs> why no, i had the exact same reaction i think i audibly said why <laughs> and, look, and, I, and i'm not even like a total purist like i don't mind when some stories are like kind of remade from different cultures like i'm not inherently against the idea but with this movie i'm like there's no reason to this is this this is from 10 years ago 11 years ago now i'm like there's no need to i felt the exact same way when i heard that they were remaking point break uh a few years back (laughs) i was like that Catherine bigelow one is so good that's another thing like re we can talk about remakes on another episode i think Mm -hmm. or maybe some patreon content yeah absolutely (laughs) i mean i have so many thoughts on it I mean, it is a thing that is happening every single year. Mm-hmm. Every single year, things are getting remade, readapted. Pretty much the only things that are, that are at the top of the box office are remake sequels or adaptations of previous IP or something, like a book or comic book or something. Every, that's the way everything is. Oh, yeah. I mean, even look at this year. Uh, we're, we're getting a prequel or we're getting another Batman movie, another reboot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I am excited about, if I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's weird. Like, I I am still going to watch that movie. I, I Batman's probably my my favorite superhero, maybe. Um, not particular, particularly because of Batman himself, but because of the world that he lives in. Mm-hmm. Despite me really not liking the last few versions of Batman we got. I I was not a fan of, of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... I'm still going to I'm still going to watch Batman. I agree with you, too. I'm even if I don't like it, it's like, well, I'm still going to watch it. We'll see how it goes. I mean, that's how I am <laughs> with every Marvel movie. Maybe that's why things get remade, because you like it. So you're going to watch the new one. Yeah. 
even though the new one's not like the old one, and it might not be, you're as gonna good. watch the new one, and you're gonna watch the next one after that. Yeah. So maybe the reason why the raid is getting remade is because people will watch it. And and you're absolutely right. Versus like I don't know a new thing that you, you've never heard of. No, hundred percent. There's there's no buzz. There's not very much buzz around things that you don't know anything about, which is kind of frustrating. Yes, hundred percent. I'm not excited for this Netflix remake of The Raid. I'm still going to watch it. <laughs> you can't help that curiosity. And then more than more than likely, it's going to suck. And we're all going to say, well, it's not as good as the original. And then they're going to announce a sequel because so many people watched it more than the original mm-hmm. one. And then we're like, well, fuck, I got to see how this turns out now because they might make it better. It might be worse. God, it's a it's a yeah. goddamn cycle. I'm a fucking hamster. On that running wheel thing. <laughs> we are we're all trapped in these repeating loops. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Morpheus. Uh, okay. Um, so anyway, Raid Redemption. This movie came out in 2011 in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any other Indonesian film, to be honest, besides the Raid. Actually, Can you think of no, anything? No, I was actually gonna ask you. I'm not too familiar about Indonesian film filmmaking. I feel like this movie kind of put Indonesian filmmaking on the map. Well, it put the it put the actors and the fighting style used in the film on the map. I mean, these actors came out in a bunch of stuff. Some Netflix projects, they came out in Star Wars. Um, you'll see them like, oh, I know the lead actor, um, Iko Uwais. Iko Uwais uh-huh. has been like in a uh, Mark Wahlberg film. He's been in various Hollywood blockbuster films, Star Wars included, Force Awakens. So it put a lot yeah. of things on the map. As far as like like U.S. mainstream mm-hmm. um, cinematic culture. Yes. Cl- cinema culture or something, you know, like obviously Indonesia existed before this movie. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. 100%. But Americans weren't clued into what like what this fighting style was, these actors or really just what yeah. was happening in the in- Indonesian cinema. You know, I wasn't. Yeah. And I'm. <laughs> I'm yeah. happy that this movie introduced me to it because it is badass, man. What do you know when you saw it at first? Don't, I, it was in college. I was at UCI. I can't actually pin it down, but I do remember yeah. loving the shit out of this movie because I've seen it ever since. Like I've seen it at least four times since then. I showed yeah. it to my dad. Showed it to my. Uh, I don't think I've shown it to my sister. I showed it to some cousins, roommates. I'm like, yo, if you like martial arts movies watch this shit and it's totally worth it i love it and i even love the sequel the raid too i'm not super crazy about that one i i I really like it i just think it's like man this is a long movie (laughs) i no, see i i loved every minute of it i was actually i remember when the raid 2 came out i was showing a bunch of people my girlfriend at the time was like let's go to the movies and she was like i've never seen the first one's like it's okay you're you're just gonna you're gonna dig it you're gonna dig it and she did like years later, I we stopped dating. Years later, she texted me. He's like, "Hey, how you doing? Uh, just what was that movie that we saw in that one theater, the martial arts one, where the dude gets killed?" And that I was like, "Oh, you're talking about the raid too, <laughs> where the dude gets." She's killed. like, "Yes, thank you. <laughs> Bye." <laughs> uh, but it stuck with her, man, and I'm so happy. Like I'm happy that that she at least got that out of the relationship. <laughs> Oh, 
<laughs> that's great. Yeah, because she and she went back and watched the first one, and because because she loved it. And honestly, I don't think I've met many people who dislike this movie. Like I've never heard anyone say, "Oh, I've seen the raid." Psh, fucking sucks. No, everyone <laughs> I showed to, it's like, "Oh, this is incredible. This is a great fucking film." Yeah, it's so it's so cool. It's like. It's a martial arts movie with a martial arts style that you don't really see very much of. It's like really like brutal action. Yeah, it's it's called know? Pencat Silat. I, I'm I'm butchering that. Um, oh, the fighting style. Mm-hmm. You know, when we do the research on this movie, we're gonna learn how to pronounce everything. All right, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll look at the the Google's. We'll like how to pronounce this, and then we'll listen to the robot tell us. <laughs> When did you watch this movie? I think I heard people talk about it. It's weird. It's like that that Wordle game. You, you, you hear people talk about it and it's like, what is this thing? And then it makes you really curious and you want to like find out what it mm-hmm. is. And I went into it not really knowing much about it. And as I was watching it, I was I was like, damn, this movie's this movie reminds me a lot of like old school martial arts movies like fist of legend and and uh game of death and stuff like that where it's really brutal like bone breaking stuff but also the main characters are like going up levels floor by floor so it kind of feels like a video game almost yeah. and as they get to the top it gets progressively harder mm-hmm. for them um and you have like this this villain who not like the main villain, but like the number one bad guy who's like the best fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love those like archetypes. My dad's an older, older guy, obviously, right? He likes um, Sylvester Stallone, right? So there is that Dread movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 2012. I think it, I think the same yeah. year as Dread or uh, same year as The Raid. Yeah. Yeah. 2012. Basically the same premise, too. Yeah. So I was I was trying to show my Tell my dad, hey, there's a new Judge Dredd movie. And he's like, yeah, it sounds like a ripoff of The Raid. <laughs> oh. So even, even my dad watched The Raid. I'm like, wow, this movie's like gotten everywhere. Yeah. One million to make. Mm-hmm. And it only made nine million at the box office. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess if you do the math, that's like a you earned nine times your investment. So that's pretty good. Yeah. But I don't know how you measure how word of mouth it spread. You know, so that I watched it, you know, I'm being I'm a big fan of martial arts movies. My dad watched it, who's who's like, you know, an older guy from who likes different kinds of movies. He's not really keen on a bunch of like foreign films, but this somehow got to him and appealed to your girl, Mm ex-girlfriend. It appealed to her so much that she went back through her list of of ex-boyfriends and was like, this guy showed me the raid. You're probably... George, the raid guy. I know. On her phone now. <laughs> exactly. But, but that's the thing, too. Like, you know, she she liked action movies and stuff. But this movie just, like, sat with her for years. This was something that was yeah. stuck on her head for a while. You know what I mean? And it wasn't like the theater mm-hmm. experience we had was incredible. or You know what I mean? Like, we just saw it at a regular AMC. Yeah. Um, it was like a school night. You know, there's nothing real special. So the movie stuck with her. It does just stay with you. There's, oh, yeah. Like, I, I think part of the reason why I liked Mortal Kombat was because Sub-Zero was built up to be such a badass mm. in the movie. And it's played by a guy from The Raid. Mm. <laughs> so when I got when I saw him, I was like, yes, he's 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 made it. He's Sub-Zero. I 
I liked when I saw that he was cast in the film, but then I watched the film like, God damn it, dude. I was like, just get the guy who did the raid to do the next Mortal Kombat. He'll show you how it's done. They just make the raid, but it's Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah. It, it, with Mortal, Mortal Kombat IP, but with everyone behind the dude, raid. Dude, this movie I has this that. movie is way closer <laughs> to Mortal Kombat than the Mortal Kombat film. Like, in terms of fighting style. It's insane. Granted, nobody has powers here, but these are, oh, these yeah. are regular-ass people, SWAT and gangsters, but they do some next-level superhuman shit. Like, I mean, they don't, like, they're, it's not a superhero movie. That's not what I'm saying. But the skill that's required to do a bunch of these stunts and fight scenes is incredible. And you're like, wow, how many these poor actors, man, they put their bodies on the line. Oh, yeah. Because you oh, yeah. they There's... get tossed, they get like flipped, punched, kicked, stabbed. There's one dude where he he I'm I'm not gonna spoil it, but it's the door guy. You'll 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 know what I'm talking about when you rewatch the movie. That stuck with me for years. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like I said, it made nine million worldwide uh, at the box office, but it had a initial run in 2011. I know that it was it didn't receive any awards from Indonesian cinema. There's something called a Citra Award, and it didn't receive any nominations for that, and people were upset. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> well, okay, to, okay, okay. To be fair, I don't know what else was nominated. Maybe it's other. It's a really good cinema out there. So I'm like, ah, before I say anything, I'm just, yeah. I'll hold my tongue. Yeah. And then in 2012, it, it got a bunch of award nominations, something called the Maya Awards. It was nominated for the Golden Globes. Uh, it got recognition at South in, by Southwest, a bunch of film yeah. festivals. It did the entire film festival circuit here in the U.S. at least. And I'm I'm assuming in Canada as well. Uh, I know that Roger Ebert did not like this movie. <gasps> I love Roger Ebert, <laughs> but that man. Sometimes you just have to judge different movies, like different genres of movies differently. Mm-hmm. Like you can't compare The Raid to, you know, The, the King's Speech. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you, you can't do that. And if you do, why? Why are you doing yeah. this? It makes me, it does make me, I mean, he has been known to change his mind or he was known to change his mind sometimes so i am curious like why he didn't like it and if his mind would would have changed years from now because i honestly don't know how you could dislike this movie like unless you just don't like action if you don't if you're not a fan or of if action, it's too violent if for it's you. too violent or action hey that is totally okay i i have no problem against that absolutely i mean we've said this with speed racer right if you are just not a fan of the children aesthetic it is not for you then that is okay I've said it on multiple times. A lot of musicals just aren't for me. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that they're bad movies. They're just not for me. That being said, if you like action movies, this is this is a hit. And, and specifically like the martial arts type of action movies, because mm-hmm. th- there's there's different kinds of action movies. Yes, this is this is martial arts. It's not like Die Hard. It's the same premise as Die Hard. Right. Almost, you know, a group of people stuck in a building. You know, they kind of got to get out. Kind of, it's not the it's, same. No, it's not the right. same. It really just has the building in common. But, but, <laughs> it just has the building and one guy. Oh, not even one guy. It's, he's law enforcement versus criminals yeah. in the building. Yeah, but <laughs> that's that's, that's about, about it. it. But uh, <laughs> Die Hard is very guns heavy. A lot of quips. Oh, too. yeah. This movie has. Very, I mean, there is guns do play a do play a factor into this, but the bulk of the fight scenes are hand to hand. John McClane could not fight Carl. 
physically. No, no, no. no. He would or, die. Or any, of Carl, or, <laughs> or any of those guys. Carl would beat the shit out of this guy. The bulldog, right? The guy that, that is alive at the very end and gets oh, up. Like, his, his name's the Mad Dog. Mad, they could, oh, I was talking about the guy in um, Die Hard. Oh, no. I but, thought you were talking about the guy from the end of this one. Mad Dog. If Mad Dog fought. Yeah, Mad Dog. If Mad Dog fought John McClane, John McClane would die. There would not be, there would not be more Die Hard sequels. No, no, no. The terrorists would have won. <laughs> let's talk about some of the receptions because this movie has an 87 both critic and audience critics there's 172 certified reviews audience over 50,000 great scores on the tomato meter Mm -hmm. great scores all around a lot of positive stuff i haven't seen too many negatives um i'm kind of curious to see what people don't like about it you know unless they don't like violence and gore in which case yeah that's the thing that like if if you don't like watching people get their arms broken and stabbed in the neck, if that does not sound entertaining to you, I'm not going to like no. this movie. And that's OK. Like, but it is what it is. It's weird that like I, I love watching like these movies like this, but I hate watching like actual violence mm. of people actually getting hurt. That's like, oh, nope, no, thank you. I'm not a big UFC guy. It doesn't bug me or anything. It's just like a little too close to home because it's real. And whenever I see YouTube videos of actual violence i don't like it I, that's the thing i love violence yeah. in video games and movies real mm-hmm. real life is not a joke do you want to know what else came out in 2012 yeah what, what, what else came out well number one at the domestic box office was the avengers duh and then the dark knight rises the hunger games number three number four was skyfall mm. number five the hobbit an unexpected journey. Mm. Number six, The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, Part Two. Mm. Seven, The Amazing Spider-Man. Mm. <laughs> A movie that I kind of want to watch now. Uh, number eight, Brave. Oh. Nine, Ted. And number 10 was Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted. Okay. Yeah, I mean... You know what we were talking about earlier today. All of those, <laughs> I I don't know if there's an original one. Brave, brave, uh, brave, 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 and Ted. I think are original. Okay. Yeah, everything else. Which hey, but also coming out was the Lorax, Wreck It Ralph, uh, Men in Black Three, Django Unchained, Les Misérables, Taken Two, <laughs> Twenty One Jump Street, and Prometheus. Mm. A lot of good movies in there. A lot of good movies. I would say The Rays probably better than most of them, though. <laughs> as far as like movies that I'd be excited to watch again, I feel like The Raid is higher than most of the things that I read out loud. <laughs> yeah, I think like in terms of just adrenaline pumping cinema, fucking Raids, it man, The Raid. Hell yeah. Uh, so what are some things that you want to like look into uh, when we come back for the second part of the episode? I want to see... How the fuck they made this movie under a million in a million with a million bucks? I want to see how they made this movie with a million bucks. That astounds me. I think I don't know now. I don't know if that one million is U.S. currency or if it's Indonesian. I don't know the logistics of that. I want to learn a little bit more about that. It doesn't have too many elaborate sets, but I mean, it's pretty much one location, it's just different floors in that one. That one building. Yeah, but they have a lot of extras. A lot of the extras fight. Like, how? 
how are those guys paid? <laughs> yeah. And, and there's so many stunts. There's so many things that break. I'm like crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm just like, how did you? Because a million just sounds like too little. If you told me, oh, this this film got made on five million, you know, four million, hell, three million. I'd be like, oh, OK, I could see some of the wiggle room with one million. I'm like, I think part of it is because it's it was made in Indonesia. Yeah. Like they're in the States, like uh, the Dread movie came out, a movie that's it was at what, 35 million, somewhere yeah. around there. That's really small for an action movie to begin with. It was 30 million. Yeah. And all the movies that I listed on, at the box office list, there were over a hundred million dollar budgets mm-hmm. on all of them. Yeah. How do you make a movie that is a hundred times as small, but lasts just as long enough for Netflix to go? Let's let's do this again. <laughs> Who knows how this Netflix movie is going to turn out? As I like to say, I, uh, I want to give everything a chance. I want to be fair. <laughs> so I'm uh-huh. not going to say too much. But I'm excited to rewatch this movie. Uh, I'm curious about what this did for the careers of uh, Iko Uwai and Joe Taslim and uh, Yayan Ruhian, who plays Mad Dog. Mm-hmm. I know that that uh, Iko and uh, Yayan worked on the fight choreography. Mm-hmm. And I know that the director is not an Indonesian guy. He's um, he's Welsh. Is Gareth Evans, mm-hmm. and he's also working on the Netflix version. So you have the director of the original working on the new Netflix version. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious to see why did he choose? Why why was he in Indonesia making movies? Mm-hmm. And what what more can we expect from from the two guy from the the cast of people in the raid? Where are they now? Kind of thing. Fair enough. That's a good question. I'm happy that this movie put them on the map and I am curious to see kind of how it's changed their lives and what they're working on right now. This movie is on the Roku channel for free. So if you got a Roku, you might be able to watch Raid Redemption. It's also on Amazon and Apple TV and YouTube. So you can rent it there for like three to four bucks. Um, Dude, it, it's it, worth it. it. It's you, worth it. If you like martial arts. There's no way this movie is not worth a $4 rental. You have... Spent $4 on way worse things. Rent the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Just do it. <laughs> don't don't think about it. If you've got time, just do it. You won't regret it. All right. We will see you in one minute. Everybody, we are back from watching the Raid Redemption, directed by Gareth Edmonds from 2011. And man, is this a really violent movie? (laughs) 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 Oh man, I forgot how violent it was. Oh, it's so violent! It's great. (laughs) I love it. It's funny how many 
images and shots I remember that are like seared into my brain. It's kind of like RoboCop. I, I think with violent movies, I was just some of them are seared into my brain so much because watching this movie is like, oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember that piece of choreography. And it's like I saw the movie like yesterday or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I still remember this pretty well. Yeah, it's not just like the choreography. It's how the camera captures the choreography, too. Oh, yeah. Where It's a lot of shaky cam, right? The yeah. camera's never still. But you don't, it doesn't like make you miss any of the action. You know, it captures everything. It's like, all right, this move looks like this. So we're going to move the camera this way. So we get like a, we, we get that move. And if we shake it just a little bit on the impact, it looks like that hit really hard. It's that That's sweet great. balance between like the board ultimatum and like a Jackie Chan film, right? Yes. Whereas Jackie Chan like liked to keep his shots wide, no shakiness. Like he, you, he wanted the audience to see everything. And uh, in the Bourne films, it's very quick. It cuts like the shots mm-hmm. are milliseconds, right? It's like implied injuries and implied hits. This is that sweet mm-hmm. balance where the camera is shaky, but you could still tell largely what's happening. And holy shit, do these hits hurt? <laughs> they look like they hurt, right? But they, well, some of them were were actually real hits, I think. But oh, oh, oh they got hit. They got injured a lot. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. talk about that later and the filming of it. But um, let's just give a quick summary for people who haven't seen this movie, which look, if you're an action fan, there's no way you there's no reason you shouldn't watch this movie. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and just recommend this. Austin, do you recommend the movie? Yes, I recommend the movie. It's a great martial arts movie and it's a great action movie on, on top of that. Yeah. So if you like action, just fucking buy the movie. I saw the rental fee and I saw like the to own fee and like it's only one dollar more. I think I'm just going to buy the movie so that I can watch scenes back when I want to prepare for this episode. Like if I'm trying to like collect all of my favorite martial arts movies, this will definitely be there. You know, like Fist of Legend, uh, Legend of the Drunken Master, um, Enter the Dragon, The Ray Redemption, probably one of the Ip Man movies. <laughs> this movie um, sits along with those films very, absolutely. very well. So just watch the thing. But now let's talk about the plot. Quick little summary. <laughs> The plot is very, very, very simple, very simple. And I think that it's part of why this movie is so great. There's not a lot of stuff to get like hung up on, you know, part of my problems with the movie come with like some of the weird stuff with the plot, but it's, it's okay. It's fine. It doesn't make me hate the movie at all. Uh, The movie is very basic. There's a SWAT team going in to arrest this drug kingpin and they go into this building that was off limits for police before for some reason, but they have permission to take one van full of, of 20 SWAT team members to take out this crime boss. And they start going up floor by floor, arresting people. There's like four cops that you need to like pay attention to. Our main character is Rama, who's played by Iko Uwais. There's Jaka, who's like the sergeant, played by Joe Teslim. And then there's... Um, Why you? He's a lieutenant, right? He's he's the guy that's in charge. He's got white hair. He's uh, actually a crooked cop. And then there is uh, Bowo, who's like, he's really stubborn and he gets injured. And Rama has to like help him out. Then there's like one other guy who has some of my favorite moves in the movie. 
Um, but his name, I don't, I don't remember. Everybody else dies pretty much as they go up the floors. They alert some of the sentries, and there's a big shootout. Most of the cops die. You find out that one of the right hand, the the crime boss, he's got two like lieutenants. One is Mad Dog, played by Yayan, uh, and the other guy is Andy, who's actually Rama's brother. Is a strange brother. So when Rama took this assignment he was supposed to like save his brother from the crime boss but it ends up happening the other way around <laughs> so they they go up the floors they beat a bunch, bunch of people there's like a, a scene with this machete gang andy saves rama and then he's like hey you should come back home with to dad and he's like no i'm good here and then the boss finds out that andy betrayed him so he has mad dog like beat him up and then Rama saves Andy and then they both fight Mad Dog and then they kill him. And then it turns out that the lieutenant was trying to assassinate this crime boss so that he can make himself look better in front of the other crime bosses. And then when he finds this, finds out that it was all a setup that he was tipped off to the police raid, he kills the crime boss and tries to kill himself. But Rama takes him into custody. And then that's the end of the movie. Yeah, very straightforward. Um, I think you're right. That lens, I think that's a large part why the film works a lot, is the movie is very much concentrated on the fight scenes. And it the movie doesn't skip down on characterization. Like, you know, you still get a scene where Rama is talking to his brother Andy, and it works really well, but the film isn't worried about the layers of corruption and who's betraying who... You understand that Wayu is a cricket cop, and he set them up in an ill-conceived yeah. manner that when led to. When you think about it, it's like, wait, if he's why does why does he bring a whole SWAT team? How did they get the okay to bring this whole SWAT team, but they're not allowed to call for backup because no one knows that they're there? It might have been explained. So, so one of the things that I found out from the film, there are these project production blogs from the film that were on YouTube. There's like mm-hmm. six of them and they're like five minutes long on YouTube where they kind of break down segments of the film. And during the post-production one, they, the director was aiming for an 80 to 85 minute film. Mm-hmm. What they had in their first in their uh, first cut was 155. Oof, that's way too long. Way too long. So he had to cut that down. And the final cut was 100 minutes, uh, give or take. That was that they whittled out a lot. So I think. We, we missed out on a lot. Basically close to an hour of story. I think more explanation as to how that worked, why use role in kind of his plan. What was he thinking of doing with uh, with Tama, right? Tama is the, mm-hmm. uh, is the crime boss. Tama, kind of all that might have been cut out. I think for good reason. Yeah, because um, it's not... Like, the, the more you give it, then the more you have to, like, iron that that story beat out. But if you just kind of leave it to be like ambiguous, then it's, it's whatever, because you get to like the meat and like the, the suspense and the action faster. And you care enough about the characters so that you're along for the ride. Absolutely. It's, it's why I, I like this movie over the raid Two, Cause the raid Two has like these really crazy action scenes, but there's so much like plot in between them. That I just I'm like bored, <laughs> and I shouldn't be bored. Mm-hmm. But this this one is like 
you you get to the to the meat and the meat is done just so well this is all this is all meat <laughs> it's like it's like trimmed and no fat like you've got in the veggies and mashed potatoes and you're good uh <laughs> but i, I think and I, that's why i like the rave too though i really like the rave too because it has that extra thing to it because i think if they were trying to replicate this film one for one it just wouldn't be the same like it's really tricky and what they want to do, do is expand the world. And that's what I really liked about The Rave too was the expansion and kind of, okay, so here are the different roles culturally. Because this movie takes place in Indonesia. We might have not mentioned that. Or, Jakarta, or we, yeah. yeah uh, we, we didn't mention that, no. It takes place in Jakarta. So this is not an American film. It's Indonesian. Um, and just seeing like the crime world and just the world in general from like in that world, it's really interesting. And like the layers of uh, of kind of of crime and kind of you have all these side characters in the raid too. You've got the hammer curl and you've got her brother, the bat guy. Are they brother and sister? I believe they were or, but that, well, that's the thing it's left ambiguous <laughs> just enough, but like, that's why I like it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I want more. If anything, I was like, I want more of the raid too. I, it is a lot longer. It's so long. And I, I, I was, I was thinking about watching it, but I'm like, Man, there's a lot of a lot of scenes, and I'm I want to focus. This podcast is going to be about the raid one. Ugh, I don't want to. I don't no, want no. To. I I re I restrained myself. I'm going to watch the raid two. Um, we're here to just talk about the first one, but this movie is quick. It's in and out. It works to its benefit, and it's really creative. Uh, one of the things I loved about mm -hmm. this movie is that every fight scene has like a signature. It has its own personal stamp. Because something that I yeah. feel like a lot of films especially a lot of Hollywood action films have now is they'll have different fight scenes, but it's like, okay, so you have a fight in the club, but it's just a regular fight scene. Oh, you have the fight on top of the building, but there's nothing else to it. It's just fight scene in different locations. We, the matrix had this where every fight scene had like a distinguished part of it. So it's, so all the action scenes stood apart, like were, were, were able to stand on their own. This movie does the exact same thing where you have, Rama versus the Machete Gang, right? Well, you have the initial, you, you have where the building initially starts attacking the police, where you have most most of the cops die, and they're running yeah. away, and then you have and like the way the whole... that it's the way that that scene where they like really get ambushed is done very well too. with the hole in the wall or hole in the floor, right? Uh, no, I mean like they're they're on the sixth floor, and they're about to like go up the stairs, and then one cop is like something's weird about this and he's like looking around and you can see the camera goes up and you see like four guys with assault rifles like aiming down at them oh and in then, the atrium yes and then when the one guy shoots it like lights up everything you see the shadows and then you see that the the bad guys see the silhouettes of the cops from the muzzle flash it's mm -hmm. it's very well done it, there's like a, a reason for every shot you see in, in that sequence yeah and even that scene is like a one big long action set sequence where it's like they're they go in from the they're found they're ambushed right and they're and most of the cops get wasted at that scene and then they go yeah. into one of the rooms that's when they take the axe and they cut the they break a hole in the on the floor they jump down they're ambushed there are segments to it and there yeah. so there's that fight scene then there's the one <laughs> with the machete gang right there's the drug lab yeah. one there's one between uh, what's his name, Jaka versus Jaka. Mad Dog, yeah. And then there's Mad Dog versus Rama and Andy. 
So like, but every fight scene has like its own thing, its own thing that makes it like stand out. Mm-hmm. And every fight scene has an identity. And it's great because it breaks up the monotony of just seeing people punching each other for a hundred minutes straight. Yeah. I was like, I I remember all these scenes. Like they're all mm-hmm. there. And like I can vividly see all of these scenes in my head again. That's like that's a great pacing and that's great like uh set building. Not in terms of sets, but like set moment. Like a like a set piece. Yeah. Yeah, it builds to what really blew my mind was we know like of all the characters, the one that I can name is Mad Dog, Mm -hmm. right? He's the one character that I can name. And whenever I see him like, oh, it's Mad Dog. But he only has two fight scenes in the movie. But he is fucking crazy. He only has two fight scenes. He has like a limited number of dialogue of lines. Like he doesn't say much. And he's not like uh, what you would think is like physically intimidating. You know, he's kind of a smaller guy. He yeah. is definitely smaller than six feet. He might be five, six, five, seven. Jaka like towers over him. Oh, yeah. And and that's dude. I loved how straight this movie played it. It has a, a sense of humor, but it's not like quippy. And it's not overdoing the evilness of these characters. Mad, it is Mad, a little bit in the, in the beginning. Uh, okay, with Tama when he kills the people, um, yeah. a little bit. But that's his like intro. But outside of it's that, it's kind of like, a weak intro. I don't remember Tama as a villain. You know, I remember Mad Dog. Well, Tama isn't even—he's a villain, but he's not the star. I think the star of the movie, no. the star villain, is Mad Dog. Absolutely, he lets his fighting like speak for himself how that fight starts is he has Jaka at gunpoint. He can kill him, but he doesn't like using guns. And yeah. he like the, the way he, he describes his, uh, his preference to using his hands. It's chilling. <laughs> He's like, yeah, puts his hands up and like, I like using these. And disassembles the gun and everything. It's great. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. And the actor, Yayan Ruhian isn't doing much in terms of like acting. Like, he's not doing a Joker thing. He's not, like... He's just a guy who likes fighting. And he's so confident <laughs> in his fight. And in his... Uh, he He's so confident in his skills in fighting that he chooses fighting every time. Yeah. I don't see... I don't see him actually use... Does he use a gun? He uses a gun to make Jaka fight him. That's, that's oh, about but, it. Yeah, but he never fires it, huh? No, he and the way he like points the gun at him, like doing every motion twice to get him to go into the room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dude, there's, it's, there's there's something memorable about the physicality that he brings to yeah. to the role, despite not having a like stereotypically intimidating physical presence, you know. Yeah, but he but he does have it in the way he moves, you know, mm-hmm. in the way he like doesn't say much his body language like that. That's great. I mean, there's so much that goes into selling a character physically, you know, especially when you're doing fight scenes, right? Like how certain mm-hmm. characters fight, what style of fight they choose says a lot about who they are. Um, and like Rama using like Salat kind of speaks to who he is. Salat. Salat. Uh, yeah. I, did I, I said it wrong. Salat, right? Yeah. Ben Chak Salat. Yeah. They, they were talking about how like Jaka leans a bit more in jujitsu. Judo. Oh, ju- sorry, judo. 
I'm getting all these fights. Uh, fights. They're they're all different. Judo is focused on throws. Yes, which which Jaka does. He throws Mad Dog. He literally pushes him around. He carries him. That's how short like Mad Dog is, and it leads to Joe uh, Jaka's fight style: judo, Rama, Salant. Um, I mean, there's a ton of fighting styles in this. You have um, what's his YU, right? The lieutenant that sent that sent them in there. He's a brawler. He doesn't he doesn't really do anything crazy. He's just punching people and he throws them yeah. like across the room. But it really <laughs> He's like sells. a 70s action cop show on, on TV. <laughs> that's that's, that's he, his fighting style. But he fucks people up too. <laughs> he he so, drops a uh a drops a shelving unit on somebody. Yeah, and he throws like a chair at someone. <laughs> he throws like uh chemistry equipment at people. He's a brawler, but it really mm-hmm sells like who he is it showcases who he is and this movie is all full of that i mean when 70 60 percent of your film is fighting like you gotta nail the movement movement is the thing it's critical it's like you know if a movie focuses on dancing there's a lot of similarities between fights and dance scenes like fight Mm -hmm. scenes and dance scenes and the physicality is super important so if you're going to spend the bulk of your film doing that specific thing then it's got to be on point mm-hmm. and this movie's on point oh yeah i watched a lot of this youtube series called the art of action have you heard of it is it by uh corridor digital no no it, it is by uh, scott adkin he's oh. a martial artist he took over mm. the, the like undisputed movies mm, gotcha he's from the uk he always plays like vicious villains in his movies but on his youtube series he just seems like such a huge nerd for martial arts mm-hmm. and he interviewed uh yeah uh, i don't think he interviewed yayan but he interviewed Iko Uwais. he interviewed gareth evans he interviewed uh joe taslim and he was talking to them about like the way they would talk about fight choreographing fight scenes they would refer to the person they're fighting with as their like dance partner because you have to build a certain level of trust because if you have that trust when you accidentally hurt them, you know, it's I you know, I didn't mean to do it, you know. So yeah. I think the reason why these fight scenes look so good is because there's a level of trust built amongst all the the action guys and the, the stuntmen, like all like the leading roles and the stuntmen, I should say, because they're all action guys. There's a camaraderie yeah. between all of them. And that was that. So early on, they sent most of the actors from the SWAT team to a training program with Kopaska, Kopaska, the Indonesian Navy's special ops, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to study techniques on breaching and weapons and hand signals. And like the production vlog on YouTube, like covers a part of that. And you could see like they're dismantling weapons and they're kind of like joking and stuff, but they're doing all this training. And it's a large part to build that camaraderie between them. And I mean, these actors are going to like be fighting each other. They're going to be fighting with each other. It's oh, like, yeah. You you got to have a level of trust. Absolutely. And even then, like because it, it's going to no matter how how much you prepare, you're going to get hurt. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of when. And it's you know, you could try and prepare as much as you can. You could pad actors, but there are just certain stunts that it might be a simple stunt. But if for one reason or another, you don't nail it exactly like you're supposed to, you could get hurt. Um, I know yeah. that happened to Joe, to Jaka. Mm-hmm. Um, 
actually in the production vlogs you see so you know that ter- when he fights mad dog you know that just like, like the the swinging neck breaker thing like yeah the, from wrestling the most wrestling move in the, in the entire movie <laughs> yeah when he does that uh jock joe actually got hurt like yeah i he doesn't talk about the injury but they keep showing that i've seen it like a few times from different um youtube videos where it's like he it seems like he's kind of hurt hurt he's on the that. ground and like People are kind of surrounding him and he's just grabbing his neck and it's like, I mean, he gets back up. Um, yeah, but it did take a toll on him. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I don't want to see actors go through that, you know, but no, it's it, it is kind of like if you're going to make a movie about these kind of things, it's just bound to happen. And it doesn't seem like they were careless. Like the production was like, oh, you know, like, well, this is just. It is what it is. It's like, no, they they took every precaution. Like they had an ambulance, a medical team. They had a massage therapist there to make sure that like, hey, if something happens, we need to take care of Mm -hmm. that wasn't even like the worst injury. Oh, really? Like I mentioned that they all trust each other. Right. But Mm -hmm. when I was watching the one with Eco and he's talking about the machete guy, Mm -hmm. he doesn't seem like he's too fond of him. But maybe I'm just like imprinting that on the video. (laughs) But he was like, yeah, that guy, he. When he throws me, he he threw me, he threw me down, and I was like, "Don't don't do that. Just let me fall. I'll fall." And then what ended what ended up happening is like his knee got messed up because he was thrown down too hard. And from what I remember, I think they had to like shoot around that knee injury. And he also got chicken pox. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. So they had to like stop stop shooting while he had the chicken pox and work around his knee injury jesus oh um, man chicken po- oh that fucking sucks yeah yeah um, and uh there's a an injury that happened with the you remember how he throws that guy off of the he throws him down to like the i think the banister is what you call it like he, oh on the he, outside of the building no 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 he lands on his back in, oh inside. yeah yeah at the atrium yeah when they threw him they pulled the wires too hard so he ended up like missing his mark and his head hit the the wall and then he ended up missing the crash pads and falls five meters down and he was unconscious for 10 minutes holy shit yeah but four four days later he comes back and is ready to do the scene again nuts that's the risk that men and women on the stunt team make and that's why it takes so much training for them to nail these nail these stunts it's just even the people working the wires uh the sets it's just, it's really a team effort and i'm mm-hmm. glad that nobody walked out of this movie with any real serious injuries or death um which is actually another another point that i wanted to go to real quick this movie has a lot of guns a lot of guns a lot of shooting a lot of effects Mm-hmm. none of the guns are real they're all airsoft <laughs> isn't that great yeah it's uh all the guns used in the film are airsoft replicas and not functioning firearms all the shots of the gun guns action cycling muzzle flashes and ejections were added digitally i could not tell i could not tell any about the 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 muzzle flash or the guns i didn't know that until i saw the production uh, production notes yeah yeah, I could tell that some of the blood was uh, digital. That's just because, yeah. I mean, it was 2012, a movie like John Wick 2. I love John Wick 2, but that movie had a lot of digital blood as well. And you yeah. could tell. But I mean, mm-hmm. that's a that's a technological thing. I'm not going to hold it against the film. 
it, yeah. it is what it is. And this is a low budget film as well. Very low yeah. budget. So it is kind of annoying, but it's it, it, the rest of the movie holds up so well, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I mean, we, we I mean, we're talking about guns. We got to talk about what just happened a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even that long ago. What happened in New Mexico with the act or the, the cinematographer and the DP being hit by a real bullet on set? Was that Crazy. was it a real was it a real it bullet? Was, from what I remember, because I read I was like keeping up with the story as it happened. It was a real bullet. And there were reports that the people working on the movie took those guns to a practice range and were like using live, like real bullets shooting at targets. And then somehow there was a real bullet left in one of the guns and people checked it. They said it was okay. And then Alec Baldwin ended up shooting the, the DP. And I think it partially hit the director too. Yeah. To be fair, to be fair, this movie has a lot of uh, the raid has a lot of modern guns. Like this is a modern setting, modern weapons. So finding airsoft versions of real life modern weapons, I'm, I imagine, is a lot easier than finding weapons from the past because Rust, I believe, was a is a is a historical film, something set in the past. But I mean, I still well, don't. There's see also a labor issue too. There is a labor issue involved, yes. The, the the crew walked off set because they weren't being paid or accommodated for the drive and the work that they were doing. So they ended up like hiring people to, to um like picket line crossers. I don't scabs. I don't know what the oh, term yeah, scabs. is. Scabs. So they, they ended up bringing non-union members to to do the movie too. It's a whole other thing. But yeah. Why why are we still using real guns? on movies when fake guns look just as good. I, Guillermo del Toro came out and he's like, I haven't used a real gun on set since, two, since 2007. And that's, and that's Academy Award winner Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And this movie is an action film, right? Yeah. It is gory and bloody and violent. And these guys didn't have need for a real gun. Again, I'm not, I'm not a professional. But just looking at the notes and hearing how other people in the industry are responding, come on. I don't think we really need real guns on a film set. You know, nope. again, I think it's a it's a labor issue. And it was also who was handling the the weapons and stuff. There's a lot there. Yeah, but I was just I was like, wow, it's fascinating. This is this is probably one of the most violent films and they didn't have real guns or anything. And I couldn't tell. You can't tell. You can't tell. You, it doesn't take you out of that moment. We're like, that gun's, that gun's recoil is inaccurate. Or, you know, it's, come on. Well, it's one of the things where it's like, if you know, like, if you really are a weapons master, you might be able to tell. But most yeah. people aren't. Like, if you're, if you're a martial artist, you'll, you'll see this like, well, that move was done improperly. Or, oh, this doesn't well, make like, sense. That's, Why would that's you the do- thing. Like, these martial arts movies, you know. They don't really protect themselves as much as you would see in an, like an MMA fight. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of the kicks to the head look like clean kicks to the head. Whereas in real life, people would put up their hands to block the kick, you know? Yeah. Or they so, would like g- get knocked out a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. it's, it's filmed this way because this is the more entertaining way to watch 
the, yes. this movie. You know, you're showing off the the art style of Ben Chucks a lot. You know, I I'd say the same with weapons. Like maybe a real per, a, a real gun master might look at it. It's like, oh, that's fake or that's wrong or blah blah blah. But it's like, number one, it was safe on set, and number two, most people won't be able to tell, right? Yeah, like. And most people can't afford to have like a real gun master on set. So it's like, so just, just get fake, just get fake guns, you know? Yeah. I, that's a, it's a little digression, but just something that I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. I, when I saw that, I thought the same thing. I'm glad you brought it up because I was, I forgot about it. <laughs> yeah. No, it, and it's just, and when you said it's like, this is a violent ass movie, I'm like, it is, isn't it? And it was made <laughs> with a lot of care. And a lot of thought. Yeah. Granted, it's, people still got hurt, but. Oh, I yeah. Mean, and the hours that they were working, crazy hours. Crazy. Oh, yeah. So how many takes would you generally do? Every single shot, shot you know, right? After shot, right? Shot after shot. But how many takes for each shot just depends. Uh, 15, 20? 15, 20. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot, man. This was an eight day shoot, was it? Eight days. Eight days. Yes, exactly. Eight days. We never yeah. stopped. Oh man, it's crazy. It's like up, bro. And did you go every other day? Did you have any days off, or was it like continually every no, every next day? With the, with the day. Every day, yeah. Every day. No, not even a Sunday off or something. <laughs> you could never do that in the states. No. Well, maybe you could, but it not on like a a SAG after a union movie. Never well, do you, that. Well, I mean. Well, talking speaking about labor, that I think that is a large part as to how they were able to get this movie done in Indonesia. Because in the U.S., I don't know if rules like that would have flown by because um, you'd have to pay like over overtime at that point. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Indonesia might have that. I can't I can't say exactly, but the rules don't seem seem a bit more lenient. I mean, films mm -hmm. are notorious for having long days. Oh, yeah. But I, I think what what people don't really like think about when they watch an action movie is the amount of like physical exertion that these actors have to like put through to get the right shot. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. The, the way they talk about this a lot on the art of action uh, YouTube series. Whereas in, in a Hollywood film, when you shoot an action scene, you have your master and you have like your coverage angles and like you do like the whole fight scene that way. And then you put it together in the editing room. Whereas in the like the way redemption or the Hong Kong style is you, you know what shots you want. So you keep doing the, the takes for that shot until you get it right. And then you move on to the next one. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, a hundred percent. You, you're not, you're not just covering, you're not getting coverage of the fight scene and then figuring out in post your choreography, your, setting up the fight scene and then you're filming it and, and you know the exact angles that you have to get it from and it's kind of like filming a dialogue scene okay so the actor's going to move over here and we're going to move the camera here and do this whereas some fight scenes are just all right let's have three or four cameras filming it from different angles and we'll get it in post which yeah. <laughs> hey, hey that's not a that's not a terrible way of doing it like you that is a legitimate way of filming fight scenes marvel it does it yeah, it but there there's a reason why the Marvel action scenes aren't as cool as the ones in the raid. And it's for this reason. And here's the thing too. Something that I always thought about. 
you're depending on the actor's stamina because they're filming so many takes. That was something that Gareth, yeah. Ad- Gareth Edwards said in the blog. Gareth Evans. Oh, Edwards sorry. is the Godzilla guy. Yeah, I, I always confuse them. They look kind of similar too. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that. I was like, they look very similar. Gareth Evans. Sorry about that. But Gareth Evans said, like in the production blog, it's not just about, not just them remembering the choreography, bringing the intensity, bringing their characters to life. It's the stamina because we're filming so many takes. They're tired, man. The actors oh, get yeah. tired. And that's, I mean, that's something that we don't really think about. You know, when Mad Dog is is sweating, that's real, man. This dude is yeah. exhausted. And you, you have to be like an appropriate, you have to, not, not only are you like physically tired, but you have to act like you're tired as well. But you have to still do all the moves, you know? You have to remember how tired you are at what specific point in the fight because... You know, it's not all done in one day. Like some of those fight scenes took several days to do. I think oh, the yeah. Jaka and uh, Mad Dog fight, it was done over at least four days, I think. I can't remember exactly. But, you know, it's a lot to, to remember because all right, this is this part in the fight. So how tired should I be for, for here? What just happened to me? What injury should I be selling? And you're not filming these. Sometimes we're not filming these fight scenes in in order. In chronological order. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of logistics around it. It's not easy. Another thing you got to talk about is you have to keep the actor's stamina up, but they also have to be aware that if they make a mistake, someone could get seriously injured. Mm-hmm. So they have to be on top of it. They have to say, if <laughs> if I push this actor wrong, I might fuck up his knee. Or I could yeah. do something. And it might be, and it might be just in that one take, oh my God, I'm I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm just gonna push him, right? because yeah. I'm, I'm tired and that injury could cost the production a lot of money it could cost days you could cost the safety of the other actor yeah God damn what the fuck and here's another thing too you're not just talking about the choreography of the actors you're talking about the choreography of the cameraman mm-hmm. right it's they're very involved the cameraman was very involved in these fight scenes and he has to get he, yep. he has to nail his his marks down. If he's moving too slow or too fast, he commit in he can miss entire punches and kicks just because he didn't mm-hmm. get to it on time. It's really crazy how much thought they put into these fight scenes because I I've never heard of this before this movie, but I can't imagine why you would ever do it any other way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so what they ended up doing to to rehearse these fight scenes is they actually filmed them in the gym and then they figured out the choreography of the actual fight and the angles that they wanted to hit when they went to set to shoot for real yeah they edited it together they edited the choreography so they were like oh this works this doesn't this looks good this doesn't this is what we need you know there's that scene in the drug lab Mm -hmm. they had like fake tables and like or, or like like uh in the gym yeah, in the gym, like not fake tables, but like they had like um, like placeholders for like, yes. all right, this is where the table, this is how high the table is going to be. You need to fall and hit it like this. And then the camera's going to move like this. I'm going to lift you up. Like when you're in the bottom of the table, I'm going to lift you up. So you're going to hit the top part of the table. You're going to fall down. And this is what it's going to look like. And mm-hmm. that they set that up way before. And I'm like, why don't more people do this? Because <laughs> again, Hollywood, well, here's what well, here's they the call thing. it previs. Which is something that exists like in animation and like before you add the special effects and everything. But I had never 
heard it in the context of organizing this fight scene. You're 100% correct. It's pre-visualization. And like Marvel does it all the time, but for their CGI shots, you know, for their big action scenes. All right, so Thanos is going to be here and then he's going to do this and that. Um, there's a great example of previs where they did it on War of the Worlds with Steven Spielberg, where he was like, I want this spaceship to come down here and it, I want it to blow up all the houses. Can we can we do it? What do we need to do it? And someone put something together on a laptop and they showed up. That's previs. They did mm -hmm. that with these action scenes and it works. The problem is it is time consuming. So Super much time. Consuming. So much time. And when you're working with actors like triple A Hollywood actors like Scar Joe, Chris Evans, you might not have all that time because they nope. got to go star in that Netflix original film or that, <laughs> you know, that other superhero thing, you know, or that that independent film that has them for three months. It's like you can't keep those actors for that long of a time just to get an extra couple of action scenes. Their agents just, or the studio is just going to come in. It's like, look, get four cameras, film it, and we'll figure it out in post, which leads to less entertaining fight scenes but they're still entertaining just yeah. not raid entertaining but but i understand yeah. it's a trade-off do you want quicker but not as hardcore or do you want hardcore but but a lot more time consuming you and that's why i like things like scott pilgrim because scott pilgrim finds that sweet balance where it's like oh we could have these really cool fight scenes with these big name actors and you're not compromising the integrity of the fight scenes they're still entertaining there's at, miles at the, same, ahead. at the same time you have some a director who wants that look and you have a fight choreographer who was trained by jackie chan so i think you are you're leaning more on the like hong kong style than your hollywood blockbuster movie fair enough yeah oh well absolutely and sh again shout out to brad allen if you don't know who he is go listen to our scott pilgrim episode because we definitely talk a lot about brad allen big he was a he was a big stunt uh stunt choreographer uh fight choreographer who sadly passed away last year but mm -hmm. um yeah it's you know so you got the choreography of the actors of the camera people there's a lot to look into logistically so that's why i'm not surprised that this movie took so like the hours were crazy the days you know and they had a limited budget they were ambitious and they were like, we could only shoot for this amount of days. If we had more money, we could add extra days. We wouldn't have to work 13 hour or uh, 16 hour days, but just don't. So we have to work around that. The other thing I want to talk about with the fight scenes is the use of the the rig that they put the camera on. The fig rig. The fig right? rig. Yes. Which is basically like, imagine like a big steering wheel with grips on on the edges, you know, like like a good steering wheel, I guess. <laughs> um, and the camera is like right in the middle of it. So what that allows you to do is like turn the camera like really quick and in a precise way. It allows you to maybe pass the camera on to somebody else without it being too jarring. You know, you're not on a crane. You're not on this like heavy like shoulder mount. It's more flexible so you can like catch really interesting i'm like making the motions in my chair like you can actually <laughs> see me but it gives you a lot more versatility in how you capture the action and i think it's not something you see a lot of in hand-to-hand -hand fight sequences in movies no not too much i mean the what the figure enabled them was it was that sweet middle 
ground between having the steady cam where you have the where the camera is just steady, it's kind of floaty, and then on the sh versus the shoulder, which would have just been incredibly shaky, too shaky. Um, and because they shot the film digitally, they have this little Panasonic little digital camera, right? They don't have to worry about film or mm -hmm. like kind of the 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 film ca uh, canister, you know, the film stock behind the camera. It's mobile enough where they could kind of do some crazier things, get some harder angles to film, like with the hole in the ground, right? There's actually a shot of one of the SWAT guys, like breaking a hole, jumping down. He gets, he gets like caught by some, he gets pushed by some guys below. Then you get the other SWAT guy jumping through the hole. Camera follows him. And that's where the next scene starts. And that was done in one take fluidly. They pass the camera to another operator below on the floor below. It's, that's what the fig rig enabled you. And that's the mobility so that cool. this movie was seeking. Oh, it's so cool. It, you don't even like think about it as you're watching it, but it like keeps you in the action. You know, like you see one guy go down and he gets like swarmed by four guys and you're like, oh shit, go save, go save Jaka. Oh, it's, it keeps you in that moment. I think people do realize it because I think there are people like subconsciously you're like, oh, that was cool. Like I can't put my finger on it, but there was something about it that was cool. I think people do re realize that. Yeah, but they don't understand like what was done, like the ingenuity required to, to make that shot happen. Yeah. Like you couldn't do that you know, 10 years ago or 10 years before this movie took yeah. place. Well, you could, but you'd be sacrificing video quality. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you'd be, you'd be sacrificing a lot of different things for it. Um, now in the digital age, you can have a, a high quality image that's movie theater ready without having giant film cameras, you know, or oh, the, yeah. in the expense that comes with renting those out and using those to film uh you know i do i think subconsciously people do realize that i think that's why in inception christopher nolan's inception one of the coolest scenes was that hallway scene right where mm -hmm. the camera is like stationary on the floor of the hotel hallway but the set is rotating and so the actors are like kind of they're fighting on the walls then they're fighting on the uh, on the ceiling people don't some people may not realize it but they're like that looks cool that looks new that looks fresh with like a fraction of the budget of inception <laughs> of who man a fraction. Um, oh, another another moment from like the hole in the wall, the the hole on the floor. When one of the gangsters jumps down and the SWAT guy hears him. Oh my! I love and that. And he catches him mid he, uh, mid air, and just pushes. Oh my god! <laughs> and then you hear the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> ah! Oh yeah. Ah! <laughs> it was. Oh, there's so many moments like that. There's so where they found ways of just keeping the momentum up and doing really cool pieces of choreography that kept you yeah. constantly engaged like again in the in the hole on the floor scene when he jumps down <laughs> in the that's that's what i'm calling it the hole on the floor in the floor yeah right? if you've seen the raid you know exactly what we're talking about yeah, there's a you, there's this moment where the the police are sur the like the remaining cops are surrounded by the gang and Rama starts looking for like something hollow to break through to make an escape. Um, and he ends up finding like a hollow space on the on the floor, uses an axe and makes a hole and they're able to like jump down to the floor below. But there's already members of the gang there. So then they all drop down there and fight them. And then the guys trying to break into the room up top, they break in and they start jumping down the hole. 
Exactly. So there's a fight scene between two separate floors. <laughs> <laughs> but but they get so much mileage out of it. Rama actually breaking the floor, like the people outside of the apartment room trying to get in. So they have to like, you know, put up like a barricade when they jump down. Like they, they found yeah. little ways of making that entertaining, like the camera going down the hole uh, when the when the gangster on the second floor, when the mob guy is like jumping down and he's caught by the SWAT guy. Like, little moments like that. And then they try to doing it a, a second time. Another SWAT guy gets an axe, tries to break another hole, and he gets shot. His body falls through. They try they to shoot him through the floor. They're like, yeah. we know your tricks now. They just found little moments to take the action to the next level. And they yeah. do it constantly. Yeah, that's one thing that Eco uh, talks about when you're talking about momentum. Um, he's, he says something like... It doesn't matter about how how hard you hit or how hard you can get hit. <laughs> it doesn't matter like how good your martial arts is and how what cool moves you do. It what matters most is like the flow of the action because mm-hmm. that's what keeps you engaged as an as an audience. This movie has great flow. You know, it's funny. So there are some scenes where it's like this is. I mean, there are some movies that have fight scenes where it's like oh, this is going on really long or we're just not entertained and stuff. I never personally felt that with this movie. I never felt bored through this. Um, every fight scene had their momentum. And there were moments where it's... Just, and it constantly changes the balance of the fight. Because one moment, like, Jaka will have the advantage over Mad Dog, right? He'll come up with a move where, like, he grabs his leg. Yeah, he'll use judo. <laughs> and, like, he tosses him uh, where he pushes him across the room. But then, like, Mad Dog will get the other upper hand. And, oh, Jocko might do a reversal and he might get the upper hand. But then, no, Mad Dog pins him, snaps his neck. What I love about that scene, too, is that it kind of sets up how Mad Dog acts when he's about to kill his opponent. Oh, There's yeah. This moment when, like, you know he's won because, like, the music gets really quiet. And he's just, like, kind of standing. And he looks he looks so tall in that shot. You know, he looks like, so was- creepy. He and it's a low angle shot, so he looks bigger, you know. It was like him. Imagine like Goku becoming a Super Saiyan, like the Ultra Instinct. It looks like the devil's possessing him or something, because he just looks down on the floor, his hair's covering him, and then he just looks up. Oh, it's like where the wrestlers pose right before they do their finisher. <laughs> and then yeah, when you get that at the final in the final fight, you're like, oh god, Rama's fucked. Yeah, he he's got that look in his eyes. He's got the stance, you know. So you know it's coming. It sets that up. The whole yeah. purpose of that that fight with Jaka is to show you how crazy Mad Dog is. Without you know this like extended backstory about his his upbringing and his you know path to to being the right hand man. None of that. You just get it in this moment with the action sequence. It's your meats and potatoes. That's it. There's no extra flourishes on it. You, we don't need to learn more about him. This is a hundred minute movie. We got to get in and get out. And what's mm-hmm. what's this guy? He likes fighting a lot, and he looks fucking scary, <laughs> even for like a really short dude. Even when he's fighting the two the two brothers, it's like man, I I think one of them's gonna die because yeah, I thought that too. There's one part where they like grab his legs and try to immobilize him, but he gets out anyway. <laughs> yeah he uh, fucks them up mm-hmm. and he doesn't slow down and that fight's long too i'm just like jesus christ i felt bad for the actors because oh yeah if that mad dog and jocko fight took four days that must have taken at least a week that final fight 
at least absolutely a week. Mm-hmm. and what's so great about it it's just in a room like there aren't really any objects in there it's just the overhead just light concrete it's just mostly concrete and like one filing cabinet that like andy gets thrown on whereas some films feel like their final fight scene has to be very um just complex you know i I mean look i love the john wick series i love it i really don't have a problem with any of those films but to just compare and contrast a little bit john wick 2 has like the final fight actually john wick 2 and 3 have like very big elaborate fight scenes final fight scenes right in john wick 3 it's at the hotel the continental in the second one it's like in the museum of mirrors which are which are very well done very impressive really cool i don't want to take that away from john wick but this movie is so confident in its choreography that it's like we are in a concrete room. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. There is it's, nothing else to it. We've just so if you're the- playing Street Fighter and you just pick like the training stage. And this is this is our final fight room. <laughs> oh, it's like in uh, um, Smash Bros. Everyone uses like final the final destination one, right? The, yeah, but the final at least stage. In final destination, like you're traveling through the, the cosmos or whatever on that platform. Oh. Yeah, fair enough. There's none of that in. <laughs> and there, yeah, there's the only light change are like the fluorescent tubes will get hit every once in a while and just like move back and forth. That's it. That alone tells you how confident this movie is. Not that I'm saying that John Wick isn't confident. Those movies are great. Um, different ball game though. Yeah, it's, like um, it, it's not limited by its its production budget. I don't think. No, it's like, not. I mean, like it is limited. But the scenes are so well hidden. It, I think it works in its favor. Yeah. Because you don't like there's there's a lot of like logical questions that you can. I think I mentioned this before, but like the, the whole logistics of getting the cops there, the ending, like because Andy gives uh, Rama a book of all the dirty cops, but he's going to continue being a crime boss. So isn't that going to hurt him? It doesn't make sense, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter, you know, <laughs> For all intents and purposes, it doesn't matter. You could have, you could hold it against the film, which is fair enough. I mean, you know, that's that's not a problem. But I mean, the movie delivers so much on what it promises, which is action, brutal action, mm-hmm. that you're just like, I, I don't particularly mind it. Like, I'll let this slide, right? I mean, yeah. we do that with Marvel all the time. You know, we'll do we do we do it with Marvel all the time. It's like, oh man, you know. Eh, this movie wasn't that great, but it built up to Infinity War or whatever, so I'll forgive it. You know, whatever. It's um something that I did want to talk about that I thought was really interesting was um uh, just how DIY this movie is. Right? One of the things that we worried about in UCI is like, oh, what kind of camera are we filming? And you'd have that one kid that had enough money to rent a red, right? Where it's like uh-huh. they could shoot four kids. Oh, oh my god, they're they're getting a red. <laughs> it's like if you really are serious about making a movie, it doesn't really fucking matter what, what you shoot with. They shot with a Panasonic uh, AGAF 100. It shot 10, 1080, 24 frames. Like, there was no 4Ks in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie also did a bunch of other DIY stuff. They had some LED lights on boomsticks. Because the camera was what? very frenetic and it's moving like 180 degrees sometimes, they couldn't, oh, light, yeah. they couldn't light the fight scenes uh, typically, like in Hollywood. They couldn't use three point yeah. lighting. They basically just put pa- light panels on the ceiling, and they had two guys with these boomsticks oh that had God. lights at the end of it, and just point, just point the light, trying to light the actor's eyes. Right? 
Oh, that's that's so what good. they had to do. That's DIY it. as fuck, bro. Now that I think about it, I you never see the ceilings of these of these uh, hallways. <laughs> no, very rarely. Hey, man, we got a lot of stuff to do in little time. We gotta just. We can't like this artistically. We can't pull that fucking Roger Deakins. You know, <laughs> no, we we ain't got time for that. Um, yeah. Another thing that I thought was really funny was you know the SWAT van that they arrive in. Uh huh. It wasn't an actual SWAT van. They what got like it? a they got a like a van. They kind of had to build like the panels and stuff. They had to make it look like a SWAT van. But this thing was so janky that in order for it to like start, they had to like push the van. Like they had to oh they had like my God. they had uh some of the cast and crew like push the van and that's when <laughs> it would start. I just oh I love hearing about that. That's great. Because it's like this this production was so low budget and janky, they couldn't really afford a full functioning swap van. But I love that because I'm like, I do. they found us, they had a problem, they found a solution and they made it work to the point where it's like, I didn't notice. Nobody noticed. Uh, I didn't notice either. I love it. I love it. Speaking of, of DIY and, you know, working around obstacles, uh, did you know that they actually came up with the raid two before the raid? Yes, I did. I read that. I was reading the description and I was like, wait, that sounds like the second one. And it's like going down. It's like, it was. Yeah. The, dude, the, the way that this movie was made it is is pretty interesting. Well, the director is Welsh filmmaker Gareth Evans. And he was doing like some European art art film stuff, but it wasn't really going anywhere. And then he moved to Indonesia and did some TV stuff. His wife is actually from Indonesia. So they, I guess her family kind of helped them out a little bit. And he was doing this documentary on Penchak Salat, which is the, the fighting style used by uh, Iko and uh, Yayan and most of the people in the movie. And he came across one of the students in this documentary. This documentary, no idea where it is what became of it <laughs> i don't even know if it was ever finished but he he meets eco who was doing some work for like a telecommunications company like as a driver he was like hey do you want to like do some short films together and then he was like i don't know anything about making movies i don't i don't even know if i want to be an actor but yeah okay let's do it and they did some short films and it was going going good then they eventually got around to doing this feature-length movie called Marantau. Now, have you seen any of Marantau, George? I haven't. I read a lot about it. Did you read about how they filmed it on a bunch of Steadicams, like, made for, like, TV news? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't read that. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the cameras are, like, shoulder-mounted and Steadicam stuff, so it's, it like, it looks really weird, but there's so many cool sequences in it. Like there's a, a part where they like he like jumps across a building and then a, a bad guy tries to follow him and he like takes a bamboo stick or something and then like jabs him midair and the guy just like falls to the floor. Holy shit. It's so it's so wild. And then there's a part where he like fights a guy on a motorcycle. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 so like it has a lot of good bones. You know what I mean? Well, like. There's whoever's choreographing the action there knows what they're doing. And it was it was Eco who choreographed all the action in his first first movie. 
Well, they got a lot of the original team that would go on to work on the raid in that movie. It seemed like that movie was almost like a test run for the raid. What was supposed to be the sequel, because it was supposed to be set. It was supposed to be a prison drama, Mm -hmm. um, which they had the story, but clearly it was way out of their budget. So they condensed it to this building. And I mean, the a lot of the team members from that from that first feature came back for the raid. I mean, that's where he I mean, Eco was in uh, Eco was in the in that original film. Yan was also in that film. Uh, Andy uh, Rama's brother was in that film. Um, So it, it had good bones. It, it was a oh, great yeah. starting point. And they and with that film, they're like, OK, here's what we here's what we know works and here's what we doesn't work yeah. steady cams don't read don't really work for what we're trying to do let's get let's put the camera on a fig rig um like and in terms of choreography they got a lot of it down oh yeah and i think that movie it's is lighter it feels more like a jackie chan kind of movie mm-hmm. um and then the raid is like super violent <laughs> compared to Moran's house. my god that's another thing that kind of has me a little worried about the Netflix thing. I mean, we've been talking a lot about the choreography, what the difference between this film and like Marvel. And I, I know we always talk about Marvel, but they're just one of the. Well, let's let's not talk about Marvel. Let's yeah. talk about uh, the uh, the director for the Netflix raid movie. OK, yes. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about him. What's his name? Um, Patrick Hughes. Patrick Hughes. Yeah, so here's just a, some some of the movies that he's directed. He directed The Expendables 3, Hitman's Bodyguard, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, and the 2022 Man from Toronto, which we haven't seen. But three films I think is very emblematic that his style of action is nowhere near what the rate is. I no, mean, it's it, not. <laughs> it, there, there's they're different fucking sports <laughs> they are and like the thing is like the raid is very like straightforward you know as we've been saying over and over again and then the raid 2 it has like a lot of plot but there's a lot of like action sequences that they put just as much thought into as they did with the raid there's just so much more of them you know and this style as we've gone on to describe is not suitable with the hollywood style you know, you can't do that in Hollywood. It, or if you do, you're going to have to spend a lot of time and a lot of money uh, securing the time needed to get it done with these like really big, famous actors. Yeah. The Hitman's it, Bodyguard has a lot of really famous actors. <laughs> There's a lot of plot. There's a lot of comedy that, depending on the type of person you are, can either be kind of funny or very very annoying <laughs> yeah it's almost like the the hitman's bodyguard and the hitman's wife's bodyguard are like the antithetical to the raid yes they're polar opposites they have an entire globe between them and now you're saying now you're telling me that this guy's gonna do a remake of the raid and he said that in 20 so he was supposed to direct the remake back in 2014 and he said that his version was going to be in the vein of black hawk down and zero dark 30 which I could see to a certain extent, especially with the material given. But from what he's made, I don't know if he can. Even the Expendables 3 is like, 
It's like tongue-in-cheek action, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I mean, they're... I haven't... Is that the one with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme? Is it Expendables 2? Shit, I don't know, man. I've seen only one Expendables movie, and I was like, this was so disappointing. I don't know how... Why do these movies keep getting made? Well, they're making the fourth one. Of course they are. I don't wish for anyone to fail. I'm not a particular fan of the movies that he's made. I don't want him to fail. I want people to succeed in making movies because if they do, then that just makes watching movies better. If there are mm-hmm. better movies out there, hey, more entertainment for me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, he's got an uphill battle. Number one, you can't do the quirky comedy. Not with this one. If you want it to be what you say it is, you, you got to stay away from the one liners and you got to if you're going to do comedy, it's it's got to be like one or two percent of what you're doing now. Number two, you have to stick with a gritty film style. You know, you can't do what you've been doing when you've got the coverage, which I understand. Again, I've explained. I understand why Hollywood does it. But if you're remaking the raid, you got to stick with the raid, with the formula (laughs) that the raid set up. But then at at that point, though, why even do it in the first place if you're going to do it exactly the same? I agree. I think to some people, they just want to see it in even higher def uh, with a bigger budget. Um, I, I, this is the same feeling I had when they remade Point Break, Catherine Bigelow's Point Break. I'm like, why? You already have a great film. <laughs> why? Uh, I guess you know? the, and, the question is, is how are you going to do it? Yes. Because why is like obvious because people like the first one and they're going to pay to see the next one. You know, we talked about that in the beginning of the episode. It's true. We're all stuck in these strange repeating loops. Yeah. Uh, but but how is this movie going to look if if you can't do it that way? That's what's concerning me. And I again, something like the raid needs time, preparation, it needs skill, and I I don't know. I'm just not confident. Again, I I hope for the best. I hope this movie I hope this movie's as good as the original, but from what I'm seeing right now, it's not. And so I'm just yeah. going to be. It's not I'm, like the the studio, the Netflix studio doesn't have any experience in making these martial arts movies because Joe Taslim was in this. Joe Taslim and Eco Uwais were in this movie called The Night Comes for Us. Mm-hmm. And it has a lot of very similar cinematography and fight choreography to The Raid. Like it's a very violent movie, um, and they I think they they use the fig rig too to capture and accentuate certain moves that the characters do. Um, so it's, but the thing is, Netflix is a very vast studio, so like the different teams are working on different movies. So I don't know. Something that they said is that Michael Bay is producing it, mm-hmm. uh, which I like because I like Michael Bay. I wish he was directing it <laughs> personally for me. Because his action stands out. It, it, again, for me, his action stands out. I love what he does. But, I mean, hey, good luck to Patrick. I don't wish him to fail. I wish him the best. Hopefully, we could get a movie as good as a raid. If not as good, a movie that's honoring the tradition set by the raid and of Hong Kong action films. Um, that lineage. So, we'll, we'll see. I don't want to be hateful and say that I'm not looking forward to it that it's gonna suck no no yeah i'm not i'm not about that as much these days 
I I do hope that they get Iko and Yayan to come back to do something in it because mm -hmm. they put so much of their skill into the movie. Gareth is Gareth Evans is a part of it as like a producer or something. Executive ex producer. Executive producer, which I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what I is don't, an executive? It, that just means they you they're getting money from it? Or they put money yeah, into it, it? It means that I they're like part of the process, but they don't, they're not hands-on. That they're just kind of like overseeing things. Kind of like when Michael Bay directed Transformers. Executive producer Steven Spielberg. I think Steven Spielberg was the <laughs> one who got Michael Bay the job, I believe. Uh, but that was it. And I think he got to see like an early cut of the film. But it's really just like a name thing. It's like, hey, this person is somehow involved in the process. How much? Not that much. Give him an executive producer. So we'll see. Again... If anyone was going to remake it, I wish it was Gareth Evans. But, you know, it's like, hey, yeah. here's the second time. Here's, you know, here's how you do it. But or hell, I'd like just a third one. Give me the rating. They the were break. going to do a third one initially, mm -hmm. but um, they ended up not doing it. He uh, Gareth Evans ended up moving back to Wales from Indonesia. And that kind of like closed the chapter on that part of his uh of that i think he also wanted to move away from action films because Which his next it, movie was a horror film for netflix called the apostle, apostle. yeah yeah i actually saw that um it's violent and brutal <laughs> uh not that much action a little bit of action but um yeah i mean look i i like the restraint and saying no to a third one right mm -hmm. because that's some i mean some it's hard to find people who will say no when there isn't because the second one ends on a definitive no or vaguely definitive where it's yeah, like I think oh the third one was supposed to like have uh eco's character in a very minor role if if at all okay it's supposed to so, be about the gangs or whatever so i mean hey you know it is what it is i appreciate the restraint again um who knows what's gonna happen with this netflix film fuck knows uh good luck to everyone involved um, I just hope we get a kick-ass movie. And if not, we at least have this one, which has aged beautifully. Really, oh, the yeah. only thing that haven't aged are some of the CGI effects, particularly the blood, um, some of the color grading, maybe some of the visuals. You know, just it was shot on a on a camera that wasn't amazing. It was a good camera for the time, but you know, compared to what we have now, it's nowhere near as powerful. But hey, that. Yeah, they're just working with their budget. Exactly. It fucking, you know, it, look, man, if you're an action fan and if you're complaining about the pixel count in the film, <laughs> you're fucking stupid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I if don't... you're worried about the pixel count and not the choreography, you're worried about the wrong shit, bro. Sorry. Yeah. And also, the, the, because of that camera that they used, because it was all digital, they were able to upload it to the a monitor, to a, like a hard drive. And everyone was able to watch the playback. Like that's one within, of the benefits of digital photography. Yeah. Within minutes. So crazy. And then he was able to edit there too. Uh, and he knew how he was going to edit it. So you could like, you could see the fight scene come together as mm -hmm. you're making the fight scene. You don't have to wait on, uh, you don't have to wait on the film process. You know, you don't have to, uh, what, you don't have to process it. You don't have to, you know, get your um, like your your negatives. razor and paste to piece together the edit like come on 
no, I've never even worked with film. Never. I've, yeah. It's always been digital. Digital filmmaking is one of the best <laughs> things. Well, eh, it's debatable, but it, for me, it's one of the best oh, things. About absolutely. Movies. It's it's made it it's made it so that movies like this could be made. Yeah. You know, I think this was the f- Marantau was the first Indonesian martial arts movie. Damn, that's wild. Because you wouldn't get that impression when you like see that and this as well. It's like, oh, fuck. You think that they were making like martial art films for years. No, it was it's just like, like g- people that loved watching Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan that, that resonated with them. Like Gareth Evans was a huge fan of Jackie Chan movies. And then, you know, life happens and he's not really doing what he wanted to do. And he's working on this documentary and he meets this guy, Eco Weiss, who's martial artist and he's you know he looks like an action guy looks like a leading man but he's not he's a working as a driver for a telecommunications company and they're like hey do you want to do this cool thing with me and they're like yeah that's beautiful eco comes from a, a long lineage of penchak salat you know his grandfather was like a master in it his uncle learned from his grandfather and now he's able to come in on the on these movies and show this to the world Imagine how parent, how proud his parents must be, his family, mm-hmm. the, the whole country. Imagine how 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 proud they are. That's a great story, dude. Like this movie succeeded on so many fronts, and I'm happy that they all were rewarded, and they are still working to this day. And mm-hmm. um, it's a, it's a beautiful story, man. All around the making of it, the actual film, what what came afterwards. It's great. I there's no reason to really dislike this movie. Unless you just don't like action, which again, yeah, and then like, th- I feel like there's like three female characters in the movie, and none of them are standing. No, 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 no. no. So why two of them never get up from bed, and the other one is like, like eating lunch or something? She's like, "What the hell's that?" Oh, with the guy Where running. You- yeah. yeah. Well, so I where'd think you she- come from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. So very little female representation, but um. Uh, aside of a few things that just haven't held up, it's a great action film. Fucking watch it. Fucking buy it. Buy it and and maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe Netflix would be like, maybe we should get Gareth to do a third rate. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, if he if, if, he's if he up wants for to, it. if he wants to, yeah. If he's not, hey, move on to other things. Uh, but clearly, Netflix is in love with Echo. They're in love with Yan Yan. Like the U.S. knows about these guys, and the industry knows about them enough to include them in Force Awakens, in Star Wars, John Wick. Hey, put him up with Mark Wahlberg, um, Dave Bautista. They're here. They're in. So I'm happy. I was going to say, um, one of the final notes, this movie just reminded me, watching this movie, I'm like, this is what Mortal Kombat should have been. (laughs) Every, (laughs) we talked about this, but I was like, fuck, man. Especially Jaka, who plays Sub-Zero in the new one. He's my, I I love his Sub-Zero. His Sub-Zero is so fucking cool. He's cool. He's great. I love him. He was dope. Uh, and like how he uses his fights. But I was like, fuck, man, if Mortal Kombat was like the raid, that'd be great. There were, there was actually some moments there was um, in Mortal Kombat XL uh, it, or Mortal Kombat 11 or 10. There's like a move where like it's the bone breaker combos where you see an X-ray of the characters like mm-hmm. bones and guts being like destroyed. There was I remember seeing one where someone gets kneed in the face right and you see like mm-hmm. the nose and the skull like breaking inwards and it reminded me of the scene where mad dog 
does that to Jaka. Oh yeah, right what, before when, he does the swinging net breaker. Yeah, he like he runs to the wall, jumps off of it, and knees Jaka in the face. And I saw that X-ray combo <laughs> in my head. I was like, "Holy shit, this could have been perfect." Ah, yeah, yeah. This this movie definitely has Mortal Kombat vibes all around it, especially with some of the kills. I could just and you could throw in that fatality, um, soundbite in any part of this movie and it fit right in i don't know about that i feel like it would take me out of it <laughs> i love it phenomenal movie the movie's so goofy the mortal kombat one it is oh it my is. god which hey it's, it's you know goofy isn't a bad thing it's um, not it mortal kombat itself is goofy like the yes. developer put himself in the game saying toasty when yeah. you do like an uppercut or something mm-hmm. <laughs> what the fuck it's a, it's a goofy franchise it's, um, it's so goofy the raid is is very not goofy, I, I think it's but like in terms of the amount of violence, I guess it, it can be kind of ridiculous. Like the the door move is funny. Uh, Ika was talking about it and how like, hey, Gareth, this is unrealistic. Why would a door break this way? <laughs> <laughs> there's behind the scenes footage of how they filmed it. There's a guy holding that door on the other side. Mm-hmm. There's a guy holding that door and like Eco pushes the guy, he pushes the the character he's fighting up against the door, so it's like one push up against the door, mm-hmm. and he does it for a second time, and that's when the door's supposed to break. And you just see the guy holding the door just run into the room, he <laughs> just runs in, and then you see the cat, the actors go through the door. I just it's like that's so janky, but like that's that's it, how it's it done. It, it like works. you're not questioning it as you're seeing it, but like afterwards, it's like yeah, how would a door break that way? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, I definitely, if you guys are curious about this movie, go watch the YouTube production vlogs. There are six of them. They're like five minutes long. They break down some key elements of the movie. And you get to see behind the scene footage of like all these stunts, or a lot of these stunts and like some of the actors getting injured. It's really great to watch. Like, hey, you're appreciating their work. And if you're a bit more curious, mm-hmm. I recommend it. Absolutely. Also, if you want more stuff like the raid uh there's as i mentioned before there's this movie called the night comes for us and it features two actors from the raid uh joe Tuslim, who plays jaka and iko Uwes as uh, who plays rama the main character he's actually the bad guy in this movie uh so like the final fight is joe versus iko and it's from what i've seen looks super cool um, there's also Wu Assassins on Netflix, which I believe is getting a movie on Netflix to like kind of uh, end the story. The movie's called Fistful of Vengeance that comes out in 2022. That's like one thing to look forward to in this year, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe he's also going to be in Expendables 4. Eco Waste is going to be in Expendables oh, is he? 4. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. All right. <laughs> Um, and I am very curious about Marantau because those fight scenes in that movie remind me so much of Jackie Chan. And I love Jackie Chan. Yeah, I actually want to go because I read a bit about it. I'm like, I want to go and watch that and see kind of where this movie stemmed from. And it, yeah. and I'm going to go back and watch the raid, too, because I got it. Of that, course. There's so many fight scenes in that movie that are that take it even further the fucking two fight scenes in the prisons in the prison scene the one in the bathroom mm-hmm. stall 
and the one in the prison yard are intense. They're oh yeah, wild. That and here's a funny thing. Someone a long time ago was like, action scenes that take place in bathrooms are always amazing. The tile, right? Like you know how tile feels. So when you see them like smash their face in the tile, like you. You feel like you know how that feels. The mirrors, the sound, because it's like mm-hmm. a, it's like it kind of echoes a little the bit. The toilet you know? seats. Yeah, the door. It's just how cramped it is, too. Yeah. Like when you throw when you have an action scene in, in a bathroom, it's always going to be badass. And the raid. Holy shit. Takes it to a whole level. <laughs> He's fighting two guys in a bath in like a porta in like a bathroom stall. And it's super cramped, but he's like has enough room and they actually built the walls to move. So they're like sliding to the left and right. But you can't tell because of the perspective from where they're filming it. It's incredible. Oh, so good. Ah, yeah. Yeah, so 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 good. There's also one other movie that I'm curious about called Triple Threat. It's like an ensemble of martial arts the current martial arts experts. You got Tony Ja from Ong Bak. You've got Iko uh, from The Raid. You've got Tiger Chen uh, from The Matrix Reloaded. And Scott Adkins from Undisputed. And Michael Jai White from Undisputed. Also um, Black Dynamite. <laughs> He's like a big martial arts guy. And oh. Michael Bisping, real life UFC fighter. Triple threat? Triple threat. All six of these guys are in the same fucking movie. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Oh, from 2019. Oh, yeah. This is recent. Mm-hmm. Whoa, I got to watch this. I'm I'm glad that we, we picked this movie because now I'm like, man, I want to see what else these guys are up to. So now I have like a bunch of movies to watch. I think number one for me is going to be The Night Comes for Us. That movie looks insane. I think for me, it's The Raid too, just to follow it up. Like just mm-hmm. to follow up The Raid. But then from there, I think it's going back to their original film. Maranto? Yeah. Um, just to yeah. see kind of... I'm curious. Oh, to, my God. To, that, I just saw like a clip of Maranto. I'm like, this movie looks fucking amazing. The <laughs> How he fights the guy on the bike is just... He's literally fighting a guy on a motorcycle. Like, he's on he's on his regular feet. He's like running away from this guy who refuses to leave the motorcycle. <laughs> <sighs> fucking A, dude. I love it. I've been playing a lot of like PUBG and stuff. I've been trying to get vehicle kills. Oh, my God. It's it's really funny to see it like happen in live action. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so I think we're near the end of our episode. You you got a quote? I do have a quote. You want me to go first? I think I'm yeah, gonna go take yours. I'll, I'll take. I'll I'll go first because I think we might have the same one. So, um, okay. one of my favorite quotes is um, with Tama says to Mad Dog, he's like, "Go to work and have fun." <laughs> Um, yeah, it's very, it's very sadistic because he's referring to just killing a bunch of cops, but there is, um, this movie's just fun. This movie is fun and it's very violent. It's very gory, but there is something fun about it. These guys, they're, they just have a, a, they just have a good sense of fun. Yeah. And and they're, it's very skillfully done. Like I think action movies get a lot of like, get a bad rap for like being mindless entertainment. But they're being very mindful on the cinematography and the the physical performance. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a film like like any other. Well, all those action scenes are scenes, mm-hmm. and yeah, maybe it's not like Godfather level of scene, but it's it still takes a lot of work. If not, it takes more work probably from everyone. So, 
action movies are fun. They're some of the most purest form of cinema. What is it? It is a cinema is a visual medium. And how can you appreciate action scenes visually? It is like a dance video. It's like dancers. Mm -hmm. That's artistic. So why aren't action scenes? My quote comes from when after the cops get ambushed and the lieutenant, the, the cop lieutenant is talking to Jaka and Jaka looks at him and says, we're not here to do good. <laughs> who ordered the hit and I'm like damn and I think that line is also repeated by somebody else in the film but it is it is like a kind of a dark ugly movie you know there's a lot of violence it's a lot of death and blood and shit but it's it's so well done it's so beautiful in, in this carnage mm-hmm. um, so that's my quote that's we're not here quote. to do good that's a good quote and Jock is a fantastic character and played really well by Joe. All these all these guys, they put in 100% and you could see it. So good episode, man. I like, yeah, I liked revisiting this movie. I think it's a great way to start 2022 after a little extended vacation. Yeah. I'm very excited for this year. I think we're going to do a lot of films, man. Next week, oh, we're yeah. going to be doing, or next, uh, next episode we're going to be doing is doing a complete 180. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do the court jester. I know nothing about this movie. I saw this, so my it's my roommate. It's my old roommate's favorite film, right? Wow, uh, he loved it. He showed it to me, and I loved it as well. And I think it's a sweet comedy, the complete opposite of the raid. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, movies, different genres of movies, I think should be judged differently. Absolutely, you know, there's something yeah. to appreciate about about different kinds of movies. Here, you're appreciating the carnage in the court jester. You're pre- appreciating the wit and the comedy. And mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a wonderful film, very sweet. Uh, we're gonna have Mason on. Really excited to talk about it. And I mean, this year we made it, so um, Austin and I still have to set up our schedules, kind of or our you know yearly schedule as to what movies are gonna we're gonna talk about. But there's already got a list. I want to talk about Fight Club this year. Okay, I, I, I think wanna, I kind of do too. Because did you hear about what just happened recently? What happened recently? China re-edited Fight Club. Oh, and it said that everyone was arrested. Nothing happened with Project Mayhem, right? <laughs> yeah, they caught Tyler Durden. They arrested <sighs> him, and none of the buildings were destroyed. I, I do think that there is some stuff that a lot of people misinterpreted this movie. And I, oh, yeah. I have like a real life. I remember people who watched this movie in high school that took completely the wrong message from it. <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, I think it's an interesting one to go to go back to to see are 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 these are these misinterpretations like people who are is it the people's fault or is it the movie's fault? I don't know. We're gonna get into it. I have a wildly different interpretation than what most people do, or at least what I think most people do. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I watched part of it a few weeks ago, or like a month or two ago. I saw part of it, and I was like, "Low key, these guys are a terrorist group." Low key, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, it's just it was never projected in that way. But I'm like, but you, if you break down what that's a cult, dude. Dude, it's a it's a terrorist organization. That's what they are. Project Mayhem. Okay, we have so many more films. So so many more. 2022 is going to be wild. We also I'm have excited. to figure out uh, what our Patreon tiers will be. Maybe yes. next episode or the episode after that, we'll we'll talk about that. We'll get into more details about it. But you guys, thank you for joining us on this episode. We hope you liked it. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. 
Austin, where can they find us? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at retrograde, one word, retrograde underscore pod. And you can find us on Facebook under retro, uh, retrograde podcast. Retrograde is two words there. It's a little confusing, but you'll, you'll find it. We are also, we also have a YouTube page, retrograde podcast and TikTok will happen at some point. I know I've been saying that for like a year, but it'll happen. You can rate us five stars, preferably on whatever podcast app you're using to help other people find the show. You can share this episode with your friends. That would be great. That's like the best way to um, increase the amount of listeners and, and stuff. And we will be back in two weeks with the court jester. So we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.